the meaning of perceived partner's responsiveness in tango. Hey, this is Dimitris, the Curious Tanguero. My goal is to bring more people to tango and more tango to people. Today I'm going to read to you one chapter of the book Tangofulness, Exploring Connection, Awareness and Meaning in Tango. If you like it, you can find Tangofulness for you or your friends on Amazon in 11 languages at the time of this reading. If you haven't followed the podcast yet, look for the follow button and let's start. The meaning of perceived partner's responsiveness. I see a tanda as a mini relationship. Sometimes you start with a great feeling and you quickly realize this was not what you were looking for. Sometimes you start with doubt and you found out that this was better or different than what you expected. Other times, the tanda is exactly what you thought it would be. There is a clear beginning, middle, and end. The moment I start seeing tandas as mini-relationships, I start exploring what I could learn from that analogy. Since my early 20s, I was very interested in understanding what makes relationships work. People, older, wiser, and more experienced than me, said that there was no magic formula. So in the beginning, I trusted their experience and went with the flow. But as I matured, I realized something. Most people go to school and study math, science, history, etc., but are not aware of schools that teach relationships. So I started questioning what I had previously heard. I started looking for people who had done research, who had let go of the nuts, and said, yes, there's no magic formula, but if there were, what would it look like? By the way, (laughs) the nuts... It's a story about monkeys that I mentioned in the first uh, chapter of the book. Now, this research brought me to John Mordecai Gottman. Gottman is an American psychological researcher and clinician. For four decades, he researched marital stability and divorce prediction. He created the Love Lab, an observational program based at the University of Washington. There, he subjected long-term romance to scientific scrutiny via the analysis of a couple's physical and psychological behavior and their social interactions and routines. His lab rats, 130 newlywed couples. You might think, yeah, right, another psychologist putting his theories out there, there is no magic formula. Gottman was able to predict which couples would eventually divorce with 93.6% accuracy. That's more than 9 out of 10 couples. This is not 100%, so yes, there is no magic formula, but because of this research, we have insight into why some relationships grow and some die. I'm a practical guy, so I'm always looking for simple and actionable ways to help my relationships grow. Although Gottman identified the six elements that clearly predict divorce, I was interested in finding the top one or two tools that would allow me to know when my relationships are going the right direction and how I can transfer that to tango. I identified two tools which I use almost daily. I use the same tools for my relationships and for tango relationships. But let me make something clear. These are not tools to help your partner become better. These are tools to help you get better in your relationships. Please don't go to your partner or friends and start identifying what's wrong with them. It will backfire. 
focus on your personal responsibility, and when you identify something that is hurting the relationship, fix yourself first. Now, among other things, Gottman discovered the four horsemen of a couple's negative interactions. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. The most destructive of all is contempt, because it conveys that I'm better than you, I don't respect you. So I decided that this will be my first tool. It is straightforward to identify contempt. Anytime you hear someone say something and you immediately dismiss his or her opinion with a feeling of superiority, you're probably guilty of contempt. Easy to understand yourself and highly destructive for relationships. In tango, you will see this often when inexperienced leaders trying to teach followers on the dance floor how to do a step. 99% of the time, that step is the infamous three seconds of rubbing gancho. Anyway, they feel superior and don't care if they make the follower feel uncomfortable while receiving unsolicited advice. You might notice contempt also in leaders who try one step during the milonga and when the step doesn't work as they intend, then they try it again and again and again. If they retry it in a very obvious way, as if they are trying to teach the follower something, a feeling of superiority, I know something you don't, and lack of respect, I'll teach you whether or not you want it, might be the reason. Contempt. When I realized that everything starts with a feeling of superiority, I started focusing there and observing myself for the slightest signs of it. The obvious, the obvious signs were, you know, me not dancing with less experienced dancers, or neglecting their invitations simply because they lacked experience, or accepting compliments with pride instead of humbleness, um, feeling that I was leading the step correctly and the follower was the one who was not understanding was another door for feelings of superiority to sneak in. I started observing all those and learning slowly to fight them. It was a fun process. To start dancing with less experienced dancers, I made a rule. For every time I danced with a more experienced dancer, I would invite one less experienced. Every time I received a compliment, instead of saying thank you, I would respond with, how did that make you feel? Why do you think this is important for you? If there were something I could do that would make this dance even better for you, what would it be? And if you don't know the answer now, please let me know later. I took the focus off me and put it back to my partner. I removed myself from the position of that great dancer and put me back where I belong, on the chair of the student, and open for development. When I tried a step that didn't work, I laughed and I apologized. Suddenly, my tandas became a lot happier. Followers can be guilty of pride and contempt too. If you're a follower, pay attention to your feelings every time you don't approve of something a leader does. The inclination to approve something might show that you believe you're in a position to judge someone. I feel that judging should be reserved only for those who have walked in the shoes of the other person, shared that person's struggles and pains, who have seen that person at his best or his worst. Wearing black with blue? Yucks! Dancing with all the hot newbies? What a jerk! Made so many mistakes in our dance? Why do you dance with someone so much more experienced than you? You get the point. Simply look at moments of judgment. When you identify them, reverse them. 
find something positive, a real positive, not a made-up. Analyze the potential positive reasons for the leader's actions. Do your part to bring something constructive to that relationship. Now, what about you? Can you identify potential moments of pride or contempt in your behavior? Not others, yours. Make a list. Don't be shy. No one is looking. Now, I mentioned that there are two tools that I use in my relationships and in Tango. Identifying contempt in myself and reversing reversing it is the first. The second is another key indicator of whether or not a relationship is improving. Before explaining, let me point out something. This second indicator signals when your relationship is getting better or worse, not if your relationship is good or bad. It indicates if it's getting worse or better than than its current state. It shows you if you're improving or not, independently of whether you're currently in a good relationship or a bad one. This indicator became my number one focus whenever I dance a tanda. It helps me build trust fast, create an environment of shared meaning, and provide an environment that allows my dancing partners to express themselves easier. It is called perceived partner responsiveness. What is it? In simple terms, we all want our partners to respond to our needs so we don't feel neglected. But there are many times that a partner feels that she or he responds, but we don't perceive it as such. And if we don't feel that our partner is responsive, then it doesn't really matter if he is. This scenario leads to all kinds of fights where both partners feel they are right. The one screams, you don't understand me. The other one responds, I'm doing so many things for you and you don't even appreciate them. If you're familiar with the five languages of love, you might understand the reasons this happens. If you're not, stay with me. We'll discuss in a later chapter. My point is, perceived partner responsiveness is a way better indicator than simply partner responsiveness. This concept led me to write a Tango blog post, which I would like to share with you before explaining more. This is the blog post. According to research on relationships, there is one crucial factor that makes your relationships stronger or weaker. If you have it, your relationships get stronger. If not, they get weaker. This factor is the perceived partner responsiveness. That simply means, do you feel your partner is responsive to your needs and desires? Does he or she understands them, listen to them, and respond accordingly? If this feeling is mutual, the relationship gets stronger as time passes. If not, the relationship gets weaker. But how do you increase this factor in your relationships, and what does it have to do with improving in tango? Researchers found that by simply asking one specific question and then listening, you can create powerful relations and connections. You can create a feeling of perceived partner responsiveness. The most beautiful thing is that you can see the same results in Tango 2. And what is the question? The question is, what matters to you? What matters to you? I love asking this question after the first song in a tanda. Instead of the usual superficial, you know, where do you come from? How long do you dance? Who is your teacher? I simply say, I would like to ask you a question, if you don't mind. I try to better understand my dance partner so I can improve my dance. What matters more to you when dancing tango? If the answer is a comfortable embrace, I focus on that for the next three songs. If it is flow, I focus on that. If it is dancing with musicality, I focus on that. 
If it is connection, I focus on that. If it is silence, I get the point. I don't ask any more questions and shut my mouth. And yes, it would be lovely if I could focus on all of them at the same time, but I'm technically limited still. The power of this simple question, what matters to you, is amazing. I invite you to use it today. Use it at work, at the milonga, on the phone. Heck, I mean, if you have someone around you right now, stop listening and just ask them. Ask and shut up. Listen, not to respond, but to understand. Don't give your viewpoint, don't give your advice, don't give your opinion. Then decide to do one small action to give to that person what's important to him or her. End of the blog post. Although this blog post suggests the easy solution of simply asking someone, the applications are much broader than this. Since I understood that perceived partner responsiveness is so important, I focus on helping my tango partners feel that I am responsive. To understand that, I had to ask myself what responsiveness means. My current definition of responsiveness is the ability to understand what the partner is saying with her or his words, expressions, actions, etc., and offer back my best response to that. So, I started observing. Which leaders make her enjoy the dances more, and what are they doing? How are they treating her? Which songs does she like to dance today, and which songs put a grin on her face? Does she look happier when dancing tango? Vals or milonga? How does she like to be invited? I use these observations to approach her when I believe I can give what she needs at that very moment. After asking her to dance, I focus on the first seconds of the embrace. How close does she come? How does her natural embrace feel? Does she feel happy, sad, energized, playful, romantic? Does she naturally put her head straight or to the side? Is she enjoying waiting? or cannot wait to take her feet off the floor. I stay as close as she chooses, and I adapt my embrace as much as possible to hers. If she's playful, I get silly, I experiment, we laugh. If she's in a sad place, I give her time to express, slow down, feel safe. If she's putting her head straight, I make a mental note not to occupy that space with my head during the next dance. And if she enjoys waiting, I increase the time that I prepare a movement before suggesting it. Then I focus on the first minute of the dance. Does she tend to open the brace or close it? Does she like to use poses to do embellishments or to embrace deeper? Does she like to experiment and inform me about it through the embrace or does she prefer that her experiments are hers alone? If she tends to open the embrace, I let her be free. Sometimes it is nice to take a moment to look at her instead of feeling her. If she likes to use poses to do embellishments, I pose when I know a piano sequence is coming up. If she likes to embrace deeper during a pose, I'll pose at emotional moments during the song. And if she doesn't want me to be part of her embellishments or include me in the communication, or if she doesn't know how, I let her be. Then comes the end of the song. Does she open the embrace or seem comfortable to stay hugged for a while longer? Is he a natural talker or is he comfortable with silence? I look for signs or use the observations I made before our dance. You get the point. Now, I believe that asking the right questions is the hardest part. But once you identify the right questions, things start flowing. You know where to focus, what to change. 
Where is the real you, Dimitris? Where is your personal identity, your expression? How can you be you when all you focus on is the other person? I hear you asking. And these are fair questions. I find happiness in creating moments of meaning. This is what I have identified as my life's purpose. Create moments of meaning for one million people. I make my living from Tango through helping maestros with their marketing and Tango website, websites, writing Tango tips by the maestros and Tangofulness books, writing Tango newsletters as the Curious Tanguero, creating podcasts as the one that you're listening to right now, organizing Tango retreats that combine Tango with personal growth, because I believe a tango journey is a powerful process that creates moments of meaning. So my true self and identity are not revealed by the questions I ask about my partner's preferences, but I express myself through the questions I choose. I choose questions based on my vision to create connections through meaningful moments. Being aware of perceived partner responsiveness allows people to open up and experience connection. That's where my identity, personality, expression reside. Not in the steps I choose, but the why behind those steps. A second objection I hear is, wouldn't all those questions, all this thinking get in the way of feeling? Wouldn't they bring more confusion? I hear you. Let me point out, though, that our minds are trained to ask questions either way. If you listen to your inner, inner voice, you will notice it asks one question after the other, and after the other, and then forms answers to those questions. Why does he do that? What was he thinking? Why doesn't he respect the people around him? How can he dance with that guy? It is better to choose your questions instead of them choosing you. When you know what's important, why not focus on that and leave the noise behind? Why not focus on questions that matter instead of questions that just appear in your head? Now, let me clarify something. As with most habits, some things feel weird at the beginning, or even unnatural. Did it feel weird for me to observe whether or not she wants to be close to me, if she feels happy, sad, energized, playful, romantic, if she puts her head straight or to the side? To some extent, yes, it felt weird. I needed to pay attention to so many things to create a beautiful dance. Adding these extra questions can feel overwhelming. However, as with every habit, after a while, everything is internalized. Now it feels entirely natural to dance with a completely different embrace than my usual embrace. The adaptation is almost instant. My mind has learned to answer those questions and send the right signals to my body. Or if you prefer, my body has learned to adapt by answering those questions. What's important is that I created this habit on purpose based on who I am and what I want my impact to be in the world. I built this habit because its results matter to me. These are the two tools I use in my relationships inside and outside Tango. I minimize signs of contempt in my behavior and I focus on creating feelings of perceived partner's responsiveness. I don't say these are the necess necessarily the right tools for you. Follow your heart or your mind, whatever you trust more. Try to ask a couple of people what matters to them in Tango and have a tanda with them afterwards. See how it feels. You can even quote this book and ask them, what does responsiveness mean to you? You know, I read this and read in this book, I heard this, so I would like to understand that with you. You know, you're my friend, I would like to know. What does responsiveness mean to you? You know, one partner replied, 
the biggest factor for me is matching my energy. The energy, even when quiet, in the embrace and the movement. From her response, I realized that the focus was not that it was on the music, which gave me a clue to focus more intently on understanding how she interpreted the music. Sometimes she was putting more energy because of the music, sometimes she was putting less energy. Sometimes asking is the simplest path to an answer. In tango and in life. Maybe you feel like it. You can prepare, uh, if you feel like it, you can prepare a list of five to ten questions and when you have a tanda that you don't dance, look around and start answering by observing the faces, the bodies and the behaviors of the people in front of you. Play with it. See what you can find. It's fun, I promise. Also, if you like the concept of perceived partner responsiveness, I invite you to look into Gottman's principle of attunement, the desire and the ability to understand and respect your partner's inner world. According to Gottman, attunement offers a blueprint for building and reviving trust in long-term committed relationships. I find trust to be one of the most important elements of tango, and I will explore it in another chapter. I recommend some of Gottman's work on the resources webpage. You can find that on tangofulness.com slash resources, or just tangofulness.com and then you click on the button resources. I hope that was useful. You can find the complete book, Tangofulness, on Amazon in 12 languages. Go ahead, take a look, and even if you don't buy it, you can just put it in your wish list for later, or as an idea for a tango friend. You can find links in the description. Don't forget to follow the podcast to be notified when more episodes are available. Hugs and stay curious.